0: From New York Women in Film and Television, this is Shot Collars, a podcast that celebrates the work of women behind the scenes and in front of the camera in film, television, and digital media. Hello and welcome to Shot Collars. I'm your host, Destiny Lily. On each episode, I'll sit down with a woman working in the industry today, and we'll talk all about life, career, work, and goals. I'm so excited to bring you our first guest. Jane Applegate is a producer. And for those who wonder what a producer does, we answer that and much more. So I'm here today with Jane Applegate. Jane is a producer with an extensive background in television, film, documentary and corporate video production. Jane, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. So Jane, what first drew you to producing?
1: Well, actually, I was a a guest on some really bad television shows. (laughs) And I thought, you know, it should be better lit or the sound should be better. And I started sort of mixing in on, you know, how to produce and tell good stories. And that's all of a sudden I shifted into my production mode.
0: That's great. So, how did you get your first job producing? How did you start your career?
1: Well, my background is as a financial journalist, oh, um, wow. so I was an investigative reporter for many years with the LA Times and I was really tired of profiling the really crazy criminal element, so I asked for a new beat and they made me the small business reporter, which no one in the newsroom wanted. But it was a time when everyone wanted to start a small business and it just sort of blew up into a wonderful life of uh, reporting and I ended up with a TV show, a radio show, and several books. So from the books and the touring, I got into event production first. That was my first foray into live event production and from then moved into television.
0: Great, so what was your first job in television?
1: Um, I was a small business reporter uh, for CNN and CNBC so I started out on the financial news world. Um, I didn't want to be an anchor and that's kind of the path that I was on. I really didn't like the hair and makeup and them (laughs) telling me be a blonde one week. No, you should be a redhead. I just felt I had a really short shelf life if I stayed um, as an anchor. So I took myself off the air and started writing and producing. And I'd say my first real television job was um, supervising the production of a whole bunch of discovery health documentaries through a a weird connection. And so I was working um, in the field producing these very elaborate reenactments. You know, back in the day when the budgets were about a million dollars per hour, now I think (laughs) they're getting closer to that. And um, I was in the middle of a snowy field working with... um, Special effects people pyrotechnics and pair makeup in a trailer freezing and it was like the light went on and I said I like these people and you know all my friends said well those are the film people you're in TV You have to figure out a way to get over there
0: Great. Do you think that that's changed a bit since, since that time, that now you can move back and forth between film and television, or do you think you have to choose one or the other?
1: No, actually, I think it's terrific. Um, <clears throat> ten years ago, when I tried to cross into film production, it was very difficult. You were either in one camp or the other, and now I think with all the uh, multimedia and, you know, people are just into good stories and good content, so I think it's much easier um, as a writer, producer, or director to, to shift back and forth.
0: So you've been working on a lot of films recently. Um, tell me, what types of projects are you passionate about?
1: Well, as a business reporter, I ended up just skewing my coverage toward women in business. And so I felt there was always an underrepresentation of women, you know, in the media. And so I think um, when I got the opportunity to be a producer and choose my projects carefully, I decided that I would look to tell, you know, strong female stories written and directed by women. So it was sort of a slow migration, you know, into that world. And so I'd say the past two or three years, I have produced Shorts and features um, written and directed by women. I do have one short that I produced by a very talented young man (laughs) He's my (laughs) exception, but um, so that's really been my passion, you know, bringing uh, female stories to life
0: That's great, and you're a member of NYWIFT and of the PGA, the Producers Guild of America Um, How has your membership in those organizations help support your career or is there anything that you've learned by being a member of those groups? Well actually NYWIFT has
1: had a tremendous impact on my life since I moved back to to New York from Vermont a few years ago. Became very active and attended a lot of things and have taught some workshops but I had a really important sort of life-changing meeting right in this conference room. I was doing a session on crowdfunding for film production and I met Abigail Zealy Bess, who oh, was here. Oh, she's
0: wonderful.
1: And she, uh, at, the end of the prog- uh, at the end of the workshop, she came up and she said, you know, we're gonna fund our project on crowdfunding, and we want to you know, we, we talk to you about producing it. And I thought, you know, people say a lot of things, but she followed up, and since that day, we have um, pretty much been inseparable, and we're producing a <laughs> uh, short, a feature, and a play. Wow. So uh, she is really my my go-to person and we met right here at NYWIFT.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, you know, I think that's what it's all about is like meeting people and networking, but do you find it difficult sometimes to um, raise money for a film, especially one that's, you know, written and directed by a woman? Yes,
1: that is the biggest challenge. Um, I tell people that I'm not an executive producer I'm a physical producer. When I shifted from television to film, I started literally as a production a producer's assistant up through unit production manager. I worked my way up to line producer. I'm I think my strength is on set, you know, hiring and driving trucks and, you know, managing the food and the budget. But every project I've been involved with, I've been involved in fundraising as well. And it's not easy. That is the biggest challenge. But I think as a producer, you, know, you just have to get it done. And you have to really figure out how to connect the dots and match the project to the people who will back it.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true, especially like raising money can be so difficult. That's always the thing that people are talking about. So having someone who can do both sides, I think is great. Um, so is there any advice that you might give to someone who was looking to raise money or looking to you know start a career as a producer.
1: Well, I think you really have to be humble. I mean, um, when I went from a executive and supervising producer in television to serving carrots on you know on a tray on Madison Avenue <laughs> with a bandana, and my former TV colleagues saw me, they were just appalled and I said you know you ha- the best producers really work you know from the ground up there's you know your job is to just make sure the the production wraps on time and on budget and whatever it takes and i think i think the most important skill or attribute is to be flexible and be really a good listener rather than a big talker because as the and even running craft services on a rather big feature I had a clipboard where I was like the, um, the set psychiatrist. You know, people could come up and they would tell me what food they wanted and then they would vent about mm-hmm. this department head and that department and then I would take all the notes and go to the producer. And he said, this is so valuable because people won't speak to me directly, mm-hmm. but they'll, you're a good listener and you would take all the complaints and suggestions <laughs> and then we would get back to people. So I, I really learned that it's, um, it's a people job. You have to love people and have a great tolerance for stress.
0: And what are the qualities that you look for when you're building a team to, to work with you?
1: Well, I've always said that you should never work with anyone who gives you a headache or a (laughs) stomachache and literally do a gut check, you know, and I've gone down a road on a project that turned out to be a virtual nightmare that, you know, did get finished and is actually seeing the light, but um, my gut was telling me to run, but, you know, sort of, I was so invested by the time I went ahead and we, we shot the film, but I'm very picky now. I'm just so skittish in a way, but you know really clear that I want to work with people who are smart, have a good sense of humor, and can sort of roll with the punches because it's so stressful. I mean it's there's probably no more stressful job than making an independent film.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so how do you deal with that stress when you're on set or when you have a chance to step away with it from it? Do you you know, do you meditate, do you do yoga, <laughs> do you like, scream as the subway goes by? Yeah, like, do you-
1: I, uh, I do scream privately, <laughs> I do try to meditate, but really what I do um, between projects is I am an avid gardener, I volunteer at the B- Brooklyn Botanic Garden, um, I work for a landscaping company as. Um, in the fields. I mean, I just, I find that literally being with flowers and plants and breathing the oxygen is very restorative. And I, and so between my production projects, you will find me with plants or in a garden.
0: Great. So tell me a little bit about your current and upcoming projects. I see that you are very, very busy.
1: <laughs> it's exciting. We're, I'm sort of, you know, in the a great space right now. Um, And I'm very excited that NYWIFT is screening my short films um, in April on the 26th. So um, I've produced three short films, one with Abigail Bess called Icarus Stops for Breakfast. It's a really wacky romantic fantasy that uh, was shot in upstate New York last year. Um, The film that um, by a young male director is called Unfinished, and it's by J.P. Paca. It was his student thesis film, and it's terrific. Um, I actually play a tiny cameo for the first time. (laughs) I will make my film debut in my own film. Um, And then um, I also uh, have a feature called the Hanji Box, written and directed by Nora Jacobson, which we'll be showing the trailer for. That's just going through the festival circuit. And then a feature called To Keep the Light, which is a historical drama that was shot in Maine a couple years ago. And that debuts um, in April at the Florida International Film Festival. So those are the ones that are wrapped. And then I have two new features with um, Abigail directing and another NYWIF member, Esmani Michelle. We're going to, um, we're announcing that we're gonna be producing her um, wonderful family drama called Caroline's Wedding. And then I'm also working with another Niwif member, Lisa Resnick, um, to turn her short film Left Bank Bookseller, which we'll screen in April, um, into a feature. And that's about James Joyce and how uh, he met a a young American woman who published Ulysses after it was banned around the
0: world. That sounds fascinating. (laughs) How do you find the time to do all this <laughs> Well, I'm very good at
1: multitasking. I think being a deadline journalist and working on several stories at once and having to, you know, do all the interviews, write the story, I mean, I'm very good on deadline. My, my nickname was sort of A.P. Applegate, like, you know, the Associated Press Wire Service people. <laughs> um, I'm also just really good with... Um, sort of trying to connect all the dots like the the film that lisa's film we maybe she is interested in working on caroline's wedding with us so it's a collaborative circle i think it's i've drawn together some wonderful people who all want to support each other so um and again pre you know we're in (laughs) pre-pre-production we're in early stage development so you know although my agreements are usually for a year to be the exclusive producer and that seems like such a long time but as we know it takes a long time to make a film so they're not all happening at once
0: (laughs) so what do you wish people knew or understood better about your job
1: that's a great question Destiny it's so funny I have so many people always ask me Well, what does a producer do? You know, they they see the producer pick up the best picture, you know, at the Oscar awards, uh, at the Oscars. But um, I think the producer's job is really being the coach and the captain of a team um, and just hiring smartly and being willing to fire quickly. I mean, there's been many projects where if something is not working out, you have to step up and say, this person is going to drag us down. We're not going to make our day. They're causing too much chaos. And I think that's, it's tough. And I think, excuse me, because I've had a production company for so many years, I'm a good manager. And I think that's a a huge piece of, of being a successful producer. And also picking the right material. I mean, it's such an investment of time and love and passion. You have to love the script. I mean, you really have to love it. And I read lots of scripts. People you know, get the words out that you know, Jane's looking for material and then the pile stacks up. <laughs> and so I have to be very picky and choose um, the scripts that I feel you know, that have the best, the strongest story to tell.
0: Mm-hmm. And how do you decide? So when you look at that pile of scripts, what makes one script stand out from another?
1: Well, I think the writing's really important, um, and one thing I love is that um, I don't get involved in a project unless I have a say on the creative side. And actually, Harvey Weinstein was at the P- a PGA event, and he said there should be a new designation called creative producer, because we're not just the people who write the checks and draw you know fire people and hire people. And that really stuck with me because I was just at a meeting today with the two co-writers on a new project and I had a seat at the table. I made script notes. I said, you know, this needs more drama. This needs more this or that. And if the producer's not involved in the creative side, there's no way that you can expect them to do all the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. You know, raise the money, you know, hire the caterer, you know, handle distribution. So I think for me, it's finding, material that really resonates with me that i have some vote not the whole vote but some participation
0: on the creative side yeah that's definitely interesting because you know you'll see like especially a big movie there'll be like 12 producers listed and you don't know which one did what whether this person just gave some money or this person was actually the person who was there slaving away every day so yeah i think that's definitely something i like the creative producer i like the idea of someone who you know is there and like contributing equally and and really they're like right there with like the director and the writer and they're part of that creative group because
1: everyone has their own agenda you know the, the director has a certain agenda you know the talent you know the cast has an agenda so I think the producer's job is to really sort of you know take that bird's eye view and see if you can just get all the people marching to the same tune
0: yeah, like a like the like the conductor of an orchestra or like, you know, it's like that kind of position I find it fascinating. Um, I wanted to ask you, because, you know, we're here at NyWift and also because, you know, part of your whole mission is to work with women filmmakers and create stories that, you know, are interesting and about women. Um, what are some projects, either films, television shows that you really like or that you're passionate about that you've seen that Feature women or are made by women. Well, um,
1: happily, there's a lot more to watch lately. <laughs> um, so let's see. I should say that my favorite film of all time is uh, by Lisa Cholodenko. It's called Laurel Canyon. It stars Frances McDormand, who is my I would do anything to produce a film that she would appear in. Um, she was just in Olive Kitteridge. She's now doing acting in San Francisco. Um, any project that she's involved with tends to um, attract a lot of strong women uh, producers and directors. Um, I think on the TV side, Transparent on um, Amazon was incredible, and that was written and directed by a woman whose name sort of went out of my head. Uh, Jill, Jill Soloway, Soloway. yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, so I think what's great is, you know, there was all this. Publicity lately about you know women only rep- being represented four percent of Hollywood, blah blah blah. I know I wrote a blog for the Nywift blog on um, that was on the Huffington Post a few months ago, and basically I just said stop complaining and start making your own great content. That it, it doesn't help to complain or sue or now the you know there's all this legal action against studios. Just you know, it is harder for women, but get over it. <laughs> I, I guess I've always been one of the few women in my profession as a financial writer. I was the only girl, you know, financial writer at the LA and the projects I was on for a long time. So I just think you have to not let, you know, the noise and the and the resistance get to you. And um, there's so many great projects. Um, some of the directors who I really admire are Kelly Reichardt, who's a cool independent director. Andrea Arnold
0: is terrific. And she has a new film coming out too. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. So I think you know there's so many fabulous role models and it's so much easier now to find women who are making
0: amazing films. Yeah, I think that that's great and I'm really excited that you're one of those women making amazing films. Um, so to wrap up I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you could see any change that you could create in, in the industry you know anything that you could do if you could snap your fingers tomorrow and this thing was different or if you could you know work really hard for 10 years and change something because that's <laughs> more realistic <laughs> but what what would you like to see change in the industry?
1: That's a really great question, Destiny. I would say that I would hope that more women would invest in women-helmed projects. When I'm out raising money, I get the most pushback and the most resistant from affluent women who are, you know, very risk-adverse, you know, generally, and I've done a lot of reporting on this as a financial writer. You know, as a woman, you know, you're sort of the mother and you're head of your household and you're working, worrying about retirement and college. And so I found that um, men are much more um, risk taking when it comes to putting money into film projects and passion projects. And I think, you know, one thing that needs to happen is for women who support other women to actually write checks and I think that's been a, a goal and a mission of mine and it's risky and it's, you know, scary. And often, you know, the spouse or the partner will say, That's crazy. What do you mean you're putting money into one of Jane's projects? <laughs> and then I go and meet with them and say, you know, it's support the arts, you know. So I think, you know, philanth you know, sort of artistic philanthropy is really important. And every woman should think about setting aside even a small amount of money to support um, Great storytelling by women, about
0: women. Thank you so much, Jane, for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. I'm so glad I had a chance to sit down with Jane. Two of her short films are screening at the Anthology Archives on April 26th, along with several other fantastic new shorts, all made by women. You can buy tickets and find out more information at nywiff.org. Thank you for listening to our first episode. To find out more about New York women in film and television, visit nywift.org and follow us on Twitter at, at @nywift. Shot callers is produced by me, Destiny Lily, and the music is courtesy of Lisa Brigantino. Find out more about her music at lisabrigantino.com.